Yo, 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 I am Dustin Mikesell, and this is the Watchmen Inc. Podcast. Are you tired of the deception of the Matrix? Here, we will build a case around God's plan for the mad world, using biblical history and the application of the scriptures to provide hope and truth in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yo, 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 what's up? This is Watchman Inc. Podcast. Today we are joined by our host, T-Mac, and we're going to get back into what we were getting into in the last episode, the Genesis Conspiracy. And today we'll talk a little bit more depth of what that really means, and we really appreciate you tuning in. How are we doing today, T-Mac? I'm doing good. Things are good. Sun's shining in Oregon, finally, so not much to complain about when the weather's like this. Yeah, no, seriously, it's depressing to live in this state sometimes. affective <laughs> disorder is a real thing in Oregon. Uh, oh my goodness, you're right. So yeah, you got to find the time to make these recordings and still try to get outside and get some of the things done with the nice weather because you never know when you'll lose out on it here. But hopefully, like I said, we're going to have some nice stretches of nice weather here soon. So yeah, it's been busy here. Obviously, I've got all the things going on here and we all get busy and we all have the things that fill our lives each day. But that's why it's important to take a little bit of time outside of your day and give it to God or, you know, give it to some, some studying of just, you know, history and things that, you know, might help strengthen your faith in God. And so that's why we, you know, we come together and decided that going through Genesis and the whole entire Bible is really important for the body of Christ right now is because these things of the old kind of help us see the things of the new. And that's the whole purpose of seeing revelation as it is today is understanding why we were given the revelation and why God felt the need to warn humans throughout history, even since the beginning of what's coming and what is on the earth. That ties right into Genesis because this is when we start seeing the split of mankind and the perversions that start coming upon the earth and the old ways that have really seeped into the new ways. It's just, they've taken on a new identity. Right. Yeah. It's just old lies from the past that are just masked in new packaging. That's all it really is, is bringing the old into the new kind of like you were saying, it's like revelation is written in the past, you know, almost 2000 years ago. But what it is, is it describes what it's going to be like in the end. And, and when you start to read some of those things and, and read about what Jesus was saying is going to be like in the end, not necessarily from what the world is going to be like, but if you just look at what people are going to act like in those end times, you start to see a lot of that stuff happening just in your daily life and in the news. And that's what really gives me kind of pause about what kind of time we're living in is because it says, you know, one of them that always sticks out to me is that, the iniquities or basically the evil of people are going to be so rampant that the love of many is going to wax cold. And so people are just aren't going to have a love for their general man because they see so much crazy stuff happening on the TV that they don't trust their fellow man or their neighbor. And so we don't have that general trust of people and we don't love each other because of all the craziness we see on TV. I mean, it's hard not to sometimes, but it's happening on a on a daily basis. Well, even like right now, you know, with this um, transgender movement and stuff and Target's about to take a massive hit, like people are backlashing because of the things that they just put in their store. And like I said, Did this is us. Yeah, oh, it's satanic. That's what it is. It's literally the, it's the, sa- it's the satanic. fact that one of the T-shirts says Satan respects pronouns. I mean, we've got in Detroit, we've got the monument of the statue, the satanic statue with two children next to him. And like I said, you look at the history of the Baphomet, which is centuries old. That is not a new symbol. Oh, yeah. That goes back to the Templars. Yeah, it goes back to the Knights Templar. And exactly, it's this blending of man with woman with animal with being god it's just this that this is what the new age is and Mm. exactly it's what the new age movement is creating a new creation and that's what satan is ultimately trying to do is he's trying to be worshipped he wants to be god i mean that's why ultimately he fell is because 
He didn't like the plan of God. He wanted to be God and God found pride in his heart. And then he influenced many other angels. And that's why they fell is because you can't overthrow your creator. You know, that's just something that as a creator of an invention, if that creation doesn't do what it's programmed or made to do, you can delete it or you can throw it away or throw it essentially into the fire, you know? So that's why we need, AI. <laughs> yeah, AI. that's why we need to also remember that in the body of Christ, it's not our job to tell people where they're headed because it's not, we're not the judges ultimately, but we know that hell exists and that it was a place created for the devil and his angels. I mean, it teaches that specifically in scripture. And so we need to understand that this is why Satan is doing what he's doing is because he just wants to bring more and more people where he is going because he knows he has no chance at redemption. He has no chance at salvation. The blood doesn't cover his sin. It, he already fell out of a state with God that there is no redemption with them. And that's why they desire to be humans is because we have that redeeming factor in, in our in our story compared to them. So their story is just to twist and pervert anything that God makes good and try to deceive us into believing that that perversion is also good. And that's why we have to be very careful about looking into what Satan actually is. It's not dark, you know, it's obviously dark stuff because it's twisted, but it's, it looks like light. It literally looks like Christ. It's true. I, I need to look up the exact scripture, but it says that we need to be wary of the enemy's traps, lest we fall into the snares of the devil basically. And so if we don't, pay attention to what he's trying to do, then we're going to fall prey to those traps. And that's really what this kind of podcast and Watchmen is all about, is trying to wake people up to the traps that they're willingly signing themselves up for. That's the craziest part about this all is that he's doing such a mind game on people that they're going to start asking for it. It's not going to be by force because when someone forces you to do something, you instantly know that, hey, something's up, or at least you should. But when they can kind of basically influence you into doing that, then it's completely different because then you did it on your own choice. And then basically you're at fault for it because you weren't aware and you didn't make the correct decision. Yeah. And so that's exactly why God allows temptation to happen and doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. allow allow us to fall into that temptation. He doesn't want us to fall, but he allows us because all it takes is the influence to a thought and then us acting upon that thought or that action is where the fall happens. And so that's where Satan knows he can get humans so easily is that he can get us at our thoughts and that's where we can fall and, and truly lose touch in what we're truly meant to be doing for God is because our thoughts become so perverted that it now influences us in a way that we see love in a different light that even the Bible and Christ teaches, you know, like love is obviously the ultimate key. I mean, that's the greatest commandment. Jesus said to love your God first. And I think even with that commandment to love your neighbor second, we are loving our neighbors or trying to accept all these perversions of things our neighbors are involved in because, you know, love is the greatest commandment, but loving God is actually number one priority in that commandment. And we need to remember that as people and as a nation. And I think we're forgetting that, that love is becoming perverted because love, the devil loves too. (laughs) You got to remember he loves as well. Yeah. They portray love as a feeling, right? Exactly. You know, and there's three kinds of love essentially, actually there's Eros, which is like the romantic love. There's phileo, which is brotherly love. And then there's agape, which is the godly love. And we, we should try to really example that agape love, but when it causes, we we can't allow that love for others to then cause us to basically condone evil. And that's where, I mean, it's hard because when you want to love somebody and you want to not give up on them, but when they're constantly choosing to live a lifestyle that dishonors God, then you get stuck in this middle ground of how do I continue to love this person when they continue to live the lifestyle that they want to live. And and it becomes hard. And I understand we all have those people in our lives where we pray for them daily and we want them to come to the Lord, but it's their own choice. We can't make that choice for them. So what do we do in the meantime? We can't get upset and we can't give up on them necessarily, but at the same time, 
we can't condone what they're doing. So, you know, it's difficult and it takes a lot of prayer and it's painful to see people go through those things and it hurts us as well. And that, but that's, God doesn't give up on us and we can't give up on them. And so that, that leads right into the Genesis six, the Genesis well, quote six conspiracy. There's a book. Well, um, the book is by Gary Wayne. Gary Wayne is the author of this book called the Genesis six conspiracy. And, you know, we, when we recommend these books as Christians, you know, you have to have a strong biblical foundation to read a book like this and understand the things that he's getting into, because, you know, I believe that he's pulling from, you know, a book called the book of Enoch. And I know that a lot of Christians believe that that book is like something that was purposely left out. And I believe that it has a place, but when you actually study the history of the book of Enoch and like where, where it fits in the canon of the scriptures and stuff, it it can't be validated all of it because of how many times it's kind of, you know, gone through history. But I do believe that Enoch, and when you actually read about Enoch in the Bible, he was translated or, you know, that's a whole nother, you know, topic or podcast to get into. But Enoch was a very special man to God. It said he walked with God and he was taken. And this is actually right before it gets into some pretty crazy stuff about the Nephilim and all that. He was trying to warn people, I think, with his book and with some of the things that have been left in history through what, you know, his testimony was. Um, he was trying to tell us that there's this like demonic bloodline that's on the earth that was literally influencing men and women. And we can see that throughout history because you see all these ancient civilizations and the way they're built and all the like technical just revelations that they had to be able to build the way they did without, you know, what we would consider this high technology. We look at technology like our computers and all these processors and these chips and stuff as like the highest point in humankind where we have this technology. But I truly believe that this is just piggybacking off what the men of the renown, the old, you know, that the Bible is talking about, what they already knew, the, the secrets of energy and manipulation of energy through sound waves and electromagnetic field like they just understood the earth they were way more in tune like I said people were living till a lot longer so this is why this technology seems so lost to humans now is because this may have taken hundreds of years to even learn and you know master and if we're only living till 100 now we couldn't even live long enough to master these techniques and so i truly believe that's part of genesis 6 which will read the chapter about why god ultimately brought the flood and put a number on like how old man should actually live which i believe is 120 years right yep that was the number that they gave Mm -hmm. so with that i'll read the uh, chapter six because chapter six like taylor was saying we have let wickedness rule our lives since the beginning. And that's what God is trying to do with the Bible. Show us like, I'm going to always provide a way. I'm going to always try and get you guys out of a pinch or get you guys out of a bad situation. But you have to choose. You have to want to continue to follow my word, my commandments, my scriptures, and the things that I'm leaving you with. And God is communicating with humans. He still does through the Holy Spirit. But at this time on earth, He's truly like communicating. He's the burning bush with Moses. He's trying to tell humans, I am the God that is living. And I want you guys to worship me before you worship all of these perversions and all of these, you know, sick, fallen, twisted things that come from these pagan gods and these men of renown. So chapter six, we'll read. This is right after Adam's genealogy on the descendants of Adam in chapter five. And so now it's talking about in chapter six, Genesis six. And it came to pass when the man began to multiply, began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men, that they were fair and they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, my spirit shall not always strive with man for that. He also is flesh yet his days shall be a 120 years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man who I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. 
These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, and Noah walked with God, and Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Jepheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. That's yeah. a that's a lot to get into just right there. I mean, when we <laughs> read that in the Bible, like I think, like you said, before we get right into it. I think people read Genesis and they really don't take the time to just break down each chapter and try to really understand what it's saying. Because you talk about giants to the body of Christ, they look at you like you're crazy or that you're talking about like some Hollywood production movie. But it's literally telling us here that giants were in the earth at this time and after. Yep. Well, the thing that always sticks out to me is people think, oh, okay. And, you know, the flood happened because of what it says in verse six and God saw that or five and God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was evil continually. And so they're like, Oh, they just, he just destroyed the earth because people were evil. But then if what sticks out to me is in verse nine, when it says, these are the generations of Noah, Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations, right? So when we talk about the Genesis six conspiracy, that's really the verse for me that stands out because all of these other generations, what does it mean to be perfect in your generations? And right before this, it's talking about the sons of God, basically fallen angels, procreating with women and creating this hybrid race. And so if you start to kind of think about it a little bit and think about the bloodlines, what we've been talking about and Noah being perfect in his generations. But what's also interesting to me, and this is why, you know, you know me, I read King James version, but I try not to be like, a, Oh, you, you need to read King James because reading the Bible in general is just a good thing. But if in the NIV version, it says this, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time. And he walked faithfully with God. Nothing about his perfect generations. Why would they take, why would they change that? You think, why would that translation? Because I think that you're, you're taking away what it's actually trying. I'm not, I'm not saying take, you're not taking away necessarily, but you're watering down what it's saying. You're saying that you're forgetting that God is making a clear indication in this verse saying Noah and his bloodline was perfect in the sense of yes. the DNA. Okay. We're now this goes back to the garden, the DNA. Okay. We're created in God's image. We have DNA strands and, you know, science has proven that each DNA inside of our body is coded and it's all unique to each individual, you know? Well, and so, right? and if you go to Seth, right. And yes. oh, not labeling Cain in yes. Adam's generations at See? all, but you're starting with Seth. Once again, you're talking about generations And so, yeah, it's just interesting to me because you think about how important this must have been to God and to have in his word these specific things. And if we can't, there's no throwaway lines in the Bible. I think that's what people do is, oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. That doesn't really make sense. I don't understand it. So I'm just going to throw it Or it's not relevant to the times. That's not, no, no, no. We have to read the Bible in the context that it was written within including being able to apply it to today's world. When Jesus says it's going to be like this as in the days of Noah. So why would we throw away what little we have about that time? Why would we throw away anything that pertains to this? When you go to the Genesis 6 conspiracy website, or you can, you know, like, I believe this book can even be downloaded. So if anybody's looking for it, if you just search the PDF, I think you can read some chapters or find some stuff. Because this is a man, I think, that wants this uh, information to be spread throughout the body of Christ. Obviously, you know, he wants, you know, money for his hard work and effort. But the thing is, is uh, people like this that make books like this in the Christian community, they know that they're trying to help a, a specific niche of Christians that want to dive deeper into the Bible, into what's actually going on. And like I said, this isn't this isn't calling anybody out for not necessarily looking into this stuff or that you don't take your faith this deep with, oh, what happened with the giants on earth? But 
if you do want to understand Revelation, which I think a lot of people are wanting to know more these days, especially knowing the time and season we are as the body of Christ, everybody hears it from their grandma, their parents. Oh, we're in the end times, you know, but I don't think people really take it as serious because they don't study the old and the history to understand why, like I said in the beginning, we got the revelation in the past because that was given for the future, but also a representation of its time. And that's the Bible in general is you have to read it within context, but you have to also be able to properly divide the scripture. And I think that is a skill that's not taught by the church because that's a thing that you have to practice with research yourself and studying the Bible is being able to understand, all right, the Bible's talking about this right now in this time period, or, okay, the Bible's talking about a specific person right now, or a, or a group of people or a future group of people. You see, that's where breaking the Bible down properly and reading it more than one time, you, you begin to understand the, the art of dispensation where you rightfully know, okay, the Bible's talking about this part or it's associating this to this. And that way we don't start getting mixed up or understanding things differently. And then like Taylor said, the the version that you read, we think that you should just read the Bible. But we here at the Watchman Inc., we, we specifically use the King James because we just, you know, we, there's a history to that as well and a history to how the Bible came to us and was translated. And these are all deeper historical things that are other podcasts and other teachings. But if you want to look into it, you know, you can always hit us up. We're always ready to help anybody that's on this search as well. So the Genesis six giants. So the, from the book, he says just a nice like introduction um, to get your mind thinking about this time. And like Taylor said, God thinks this is so important that he's given the generations of Seth. You know, he's telling people about Noah. He's telling people about he's not telling people about generations uh, of Cain. And so there's clearly this disconnect here right in that verse of Noah's generations were perfect in the flesh. And so Noah wasn't a you, you think Noah was a perfect guy, Taylor. You think that he was a man without sin that didn't deserve to get washed away in the flood? I don't think that that was the case. Well, considering it how the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, then uh I would say no. And so okay, so now we can't now we can't assume that what it's saying is that Noah was a man without sin and that's why God found favor. He was perfect in his generations right. it if wasn't he was out sin then it'd be jesus <laughs> exactly jesus so was the only one without sin here we get the first uh you know big sign that god and his grace is upon a man you know like upon one man and his family and that's noah and so why did god find this grace upon noah to say hey i want you to build this ark which also took him a hundred years. So this man was, was put on a mission by God to pretty much be the first conspiracy theorist because he, God seen his bloodline and he's seen, okay, I'm going to be able to use you because your, your generations and what you've done and what you've chosen to partake in on earth is pure and your blood, your, see, it always goes back to the blood. And that's why blood is such a huge thing with sacrifice in the Bible and with Jesus and his blood, blood, blood is the essence of life. That's where it carries our DNA, who we are. It's coded. You know, I mean, it, blood is just a huge thing to God in the Bible. And that's what God is saying here in Genesis six to Noah is I'm looking at your bloodline right now and I'm going to be able to bring Jesus through it because it doesn't have that twisted dna because like i said we're sitting here assuming that noah's a perfect man but it's not saying he's a perfect man in his ways it's saying his generations so we're reading the bible exactly as it says and we're taking it as it reads not saying oh that's not what it said well it's exactly what it says he was perfect in his generations not as what because at the end of the day he deserved to get flooded too i mean but he didn't he was given a mission and saying I need to use you. I'm, I found favor upon you because you do love me and you love my way and my commandments. And that's right. how he avoided that. Say, he was yeah, a he good man. Exactly. Yeah, he avoided blameless. the he, he avoided the perversions of mm -hmm. sleeping with with the angels or messing with women that were sleeping with angels. And so this is where we have the now like point in history. God is like, 
I repent for making man. And he he said uh, to strive. He says, I will not, my spirit will not always strive with man. And so I did a quick like, so when you read the King James Bible for anybody listening, what's really awesome about that is you can take the words in the King James Bible and apply it to this thing called a Strong's Concordance. All right. It's a really good tool to take your biblical studies to understand words on a deeper level because they take the translation of the English word and then you can see the Greek or the Hebrew that it derives from. And so I just did a few on just this chapter because like I said, it's interesting to know words and what they truly mean. And so God said that my, my spirit will not always strive with man. And so when you look at what the word strive means, it means to judge. And the Hebrew word is din. And that means a straight course or to sail direct. And so I just thought that was interesting that God said pretty much, I won't strive. He won't always be there to set a straight course for man. Like he's telling him right here, like there's going to be a time where I kind of have a disconnect with you that you're not fully on the path with me. And my spirit will not always be right here next to you to like tell you right away and tell the Holy spirit, you know, like man is going to continuously kind of fall away from God as you continue through the old Testament. And as we get, you know, into Kings and, and rulers and stuff, we're just continuously falling away from God being our, you know, our ruler over our lives. And now we're looking to men to fill these perversions on earth, which ultimately come from all these perversions in Genesis six. And so we have this folk folklore and these things that like we all talk about with giants. Like I said, uh, you have Goliath, obviously from David, you have, you know, all the, the Greek gods and stuff. You have G Jack and the Beanstalk. You know, we have all of these like stories and things about giants, which is very well, interesting. Yeah, the mythology of Hercules is yes. Zeus, Zeus mated with a human woman and created demigods. So the Greek mythology is, is rooted with tons of demigods, which are part God and part man. That's exactly what the Nephilim are. They're part man, part, you know, fallen angels, sons of God. So it's not like this is strictly, you know, confined to the Bible as well. It's, it was known around the world for long amounts of time. They just, once again, kind of, as we were talking about last week, last podcast with the, uh, the tower of Babel, once those languages were confounded and you had all these different languages, that same story gets start starts getting told in different versions, basically. And so what's interesting about the word strive too, is you can actually take that to Matthew seven thirteen through 14, which is the saying about the narrow path and that the narrow path is the, the path that a Christian lives to the, the way to Jesus. You know, it's, not the straight wide gate that leads to hell, which is the easy path. This narrow path isn't a straight course. And so that's why, you know, God says that I'm not, my spirit will not always be with you. He's going to make things a little bit hard for us to get to him in the sense of the tribulations and the trials that we'll face in this test called life. But he ultimately will, will make a way. But when God also is talking in this verse, you know, when he's talking about man, it's interesting that you see God here, I think for the first time, repent, which most people are like, wait, God repented. And it's like, yes, he's actually repented a couple times. He doesn't repent about much. And I think also that word repent, that's another word that I like to get into just because, you know, like you said, when I study words, I want to know the deeper meaning and what they truly mean and not just take the surface level of what man teaches or what we understand in modern times. Let's understand the ancient, like, teaching of what repented means. And so the word repented actually comes from the the word nakam, which means to be sorry or to console oneself, to right. comfort self or to ease oneself. So see, I think, see, to console oneself, that's interesting that repent means to console because that means to make yourself feel better. And a lot of people, when they say I repent, is because they feel bad. You know what I mean? Which you should feel bad because when you repent, you're at, you've clearly done something against the Lord. But see, you're using the Lord to make yourself feel better. So when he repented, it's not because he did anything wrong. It's because he was trying to make himself feel better. And be like, well, I've provided a plan for you at least. But wow, I, I just cannot believe that things have gone, uh, you know, because God's, you know, God's God. And if he's like us, then I have to guess that he has emotion and other things that we have. Just it's on a perfect level that is controlled, you know, at the greatest essence of what emotion is. So. He understood everything that he did. He understood humans and how he created us. But 
don't you find it interesting that he repented for making humans that that just shows you we're pretty twisted creatures <laughs> well yeah i mean it says their thoughts were continually evil i mean that that can't make you feel good to see because even if he knows seeing it is you know makes you feel a certain type of way and so yeah it is interesting that it says that he repented but it's like at the same time you know god loves all human it's his creation so when he sees creation destroying itself it's gonna make him feel sad because people are dying these are real lives that are being lost because of it and of course he's going to feel bad for that so yeah so god is not a bad god for doing what he did on the flood he just seen because he sees the future he's seen that mankind pretty much was not going to survive because when you start looking into the history of these ancient civilizations and how many people they were sacrificing a day to these quote-unquote demigods because they require sacrifice that's the thing you have to understand sacrifice and that not just the dark side of sacrifice within the Bible or the like, you know, satanic side of sacrifice. You have to understand that's just part of life. Like time, like right now, it's kind of the giants were cannibals. That's the biggest thing that God's seen. So this is why he flooded the earth. You can't just, you can't just try to isolate something that is within the bloodline of even humans and they, they're being born and they don't even know what they're necessarily being born into or going to grow up into. And so, yeah, you have these giants and some of them like literally got to over 15 to 20 feet tall. I don't even know, like honestly how tall the tallest giant was, but we know that Goliath was, you know, at least 12 to 15 feet tall compared to your average size man today, which if, you know, a guy is seven feet tall, he's considered NBA status, you know? Well, yeah. You look at like Yao Ming. Yeah. When he stands next to Shaq. He makes him look like a, a child. It's which, I mean, And that's Shaq seven is, foot five, seven foot Shaq six. is massive. Shaq is massive. Well, and then Og of Bashan, it doesn't describe how tall he was, but it describes how big his bed is. And it actually talks about it in this book. And the guy was big. Let's just say that. I mean, 15 feet tall. Can you imagine seeing somebody 15 feet tall? <laughs> I'm six foot four. So put two of me together walking around. And that's two and still short. Yeah, two, that's what I mean. Two of me together, still not as tall as someone like that. And most people look at me and they they think i'm really tall because i am above average but yeah i'm a shorty compared to these giants and these things and even if you're a seven foot like you said yao Ming status these guys are 15 20 feet tall i mean you're literally a bug to them and so god is looking at this new demigod like civilization being raised on earth they're building civilizations they're making crazy like pyramids and structures to sacrifice humans to satisfy their thirst for the blood and the, mm-hmm. the you know, like this, this is what it is. Like Satan was loving this time on earth because he was able to almost be out in the open more than he is. Today. Like he's out in the open with symbolism today. And that's what, you know, Watchman Inc. And what I've been doing on my Instagram is trying to show people the symbolism still rules the world today because of how powerful it was when it begun oh, yeah. back in this time to now. And that's why Satan can continue to use symbolism to control our lives today. And he doesn't need a bunch of giants walking around eating us or making us think that they're the gods of our life. Because I, I guarantee you right now, I mean, even when these tall NBA players go to other countries where there's actually not a lot of tall men, they truly flock to them because they just, they've never seen anybody their size. And it's just like, it's almost a phenomenon to see somebody that big in certain parts of the world and cultures. And so they literally look at people like gods because of their structure and their status and like the way, you know, obviously how much money they have, but just the way they carry themselves. And so you can't you can't tell me that if there was 20 foot giants walking around today that there wouldn't be people worshiping them and like thinking that they're the highest like stage of evolution well just to piggyback off of that when they when the israelites first decided their king who did they pick saul why did they pick him oh because he was head and shoulders above everybody else they picked him (laughs) because he was the tallest dude the worst though and just to tell you if that's your qualification for choosing somebody to lead you you're headed down a a dark path and that's ultimately what happened 
equals power. So that's what God's trying to say here is that I got to flood the earth because humans are never going to look at me as God. If I get let this like just generation after generation of these giants continue to roam earth, you just have godless, wicked societies that just have pretty much humans as breeding farms to eat because like taylor said they're cannibals like they're running out of food agriculture they obviously know how to agriculture but the earth is just a different time right now and these are obviously you know twisted creatures and they're not looking to plant a farm for the next hundred years and live peacefully next to humans no they want to conquer their land they want to take their stuff they don't want to, to live peacefully with humans and so yeah they start eating them well yeah and it's it's genesis 6 So if you think about the world population, it probably wasn't that many people. You know, it was a lot of people, sure, but it's not anything like it is, you know, seven and a half billion people. There wasn't even close to that many people living on the earth at that time. So eventually, if they're not reproducing more than they're sacrificing and eating, you know, who knows what was going to happen? Like I said, they were going to implode from within they're going to destroy themselves so yeah it says in verse 4 genesis 6 it says that there were giants in the earth in those days and also after that then the sons of god came into the daughters of men and they bare children to them the same so these children became mighty men which were of old men of renown so when you look at the word mighty which means strong the greek the hebrew word is gibber and that word when you look deeper into it means powerful warrior tyrant hmm interesting that the word mighty means tyrant when you look at the hebrew uh, meaning and so that's exactly what was happening these men were tyrants they were trying to go from nation to nation tribe to tribe and who's going to stop all of these giants from doing whatever they please on earth from taking whoever they want taking whatever land they want taking whatever resources and then you go into the root of the gib, the word gibber, which goes even deeper, which is gabar, which is to be strong, mighty, to put more strength, to be stronger, to exceed, to put more strength. So see, these are clearly different men, like me and Taylor said, talking about the angels, the sons of God. And you can see with the words and the, 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 the word mighty alone, these are clearly stronger, mightier, more stronger, like the, the translators knew that this is a different type of person that is being described in the Bible right now. And then that that leads right into ancient Babylon and the Tower of Babel and who created the, th- the first Tower of Babel or the first, you know, structure to unify humans on Earth in this like wicked way. It was Nimrod. Mm hmm. So that leads us right into the Genesis 6 men of renown and the men that were leading the charge for these mystery religions to be born on earth and why God had to do what he did. Nimrod, okay? Who was Nimrod, Taylor? Well, in Genesis 10, 8 through 10, it says, Cush was the father of Nimrod, who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That is why, as it said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. First centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, and Kalne in Shinar. So he was the first one to really build these kingdoms. And Babylon, we all know, the Babylonian mystery religion was one of the most widespread mystery religions at that time. And we can still find that symbolism connected to that Babylonian mystery religion today. So when you look at the ancient story of Nimrod, they they called him a hunter, okay? And he was called a hunter because he was (laughs) hunting humans. He was a man that was creating slaves. And like I said, he he was just this guy that was going around that was a great warrior that was conquering and getting people to believe that, like, he was the most powerful, you know, thing on the earth and uniting people you know in a way he's almost like the first antichrist like you know what i mean yeah well what's interesting too is just a quick little google search on him and talking about the land of shinar which is called mesopotamia and we were all taught in school that mesopotamia was the birthplace the cradle of civilization right so it's given even though they call it mesopotamia it's actually what was Shinar, and in the Bible, it's actually mentioned in Nimrod creating that first cradle of civilization. The school's giving credit to Nimrod, who this, you know, we know wasn't a good dude. He was one of these men of renown. Yeah, and what's crazy is that when you look up the word 
giant too so he's this giant that's walking around on earth and what does god call the giants or what's the word for giant it's nephilim and because the word nephilim is is hebrew and the word is nephal which is kind of an interesting word nephal which means to literally to fall or to lie l-i-e like lie cast down self-divided lot to die to be judged to be inferior to perish so clearly the word giant means to perish or to lie or to to fall. So these are fallen angels or fallen entities that have no place in the kingdom. And this is why God is now making this huge deal about separating his people from this and getting them away from this and having to kind of restructure the earth with the flood is because these guys were literally going to completely changed the trajectory of how earth and creation was going to go if God didn't intercede and do something right away. And so the story of Nimrod, like that literally ties in today's mystery religions and schools, the Illuminati, the Freemason, like they look at all of those stories and they, and they worship them and they look at them as not just folklore, but as like ancient practice to to continue today and they've they've worked continuously throughout history to keep these secrets and keep these ancient teachings alive so you have to understand these wars and all these things that they've done they've also been trying to preserve what the ones who are trying to actually push god were also fighting against so see there's just this continuous war going on throughout history to preserve information or preserve history on their side but then hide it from your average citizen because they know that that'll create you know more of a flood because nobody's gonna worship these fallen angels and entities if they truly know the origin of them and know what they're into and where they come from compared to god but if you make them look like superheroes in modern day and make them make fiction sound like a bunch of stories like you know putting them in disney making heroes out of them see the word hero we are now looking at these crazy people with superhuman strength or whatever as heroes okay and so that's essentially we're just doing the same thing as we they did in ancient Babylon was looking at these men as heroes or builders. Why do you think the Freemasons call themselves builders? Right. They build, they build civilizations. They they build the things that we're involved in. They are the constructors. Okay. And remember, they steal from God, so they're not the ultimate builder. But that's what they want people in their mind to think of when they see something. They want. Oh, look at what this man created. Not, oh, look at what this man created by God created. You know what I'm saying? Just that kind of that disconnect of we're looking at men as the great builders of civilization and earth and not God as the one that is ultimately giving glory and power to, to men's civilizations. Well, right. And this is why anybody looking to really dig deep into this topic really needs to read this Genesis 6 conspiracy because the author, Gary Wayne, did well, one, it's 814 pages. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. So, We're trying to talk about uh, stuff, like I said, within an hour at a time and trying to not get off too big of tangents because this chapter alone can have an 800 page book. <laughs> this is what we're talking about like the things we're bringing you takes years and years of study and an understanding and that's why we want to bring this to you is because not everybody has that time but there are resources to kind of jumpstart where you need to go or what you can understand right away by just making a couple sacrifices like reading this book this can help you understand genesis and this conspiracy we're talking about on a much deeper level because he he took the time to write a book for it well, yeah, the first chapter is called Heroes of Old. And in this little excerpt from it, it says, Consider this, one definition provided by Webster's New Format Dictionary in 1986 defines hero as a man of superhuman powers, a demigod. Right there. So wow. heroes, men of renown, right? A man of superhuman powers, a demigod. So if the original translation for hero then is applied to Genesis 6, We indeed have a cryptic enigma in that a race of superhuman demigods is part of the flood narrative. So once again, it's kind of like you were talking about researching these other, these deeper meanings of these words that are being used. It starts to kind of give you more perspective on it instead of just putting our modern day definitions on these words and how we think of them. Because these people back when they were writing them had it really kind of a different definition for it 
Yeah. And so I think it's important for people to understand the story of Nimrod as well and why we're going to continue to stick with it is because Nimrod truly is this like demigod hero to these mystery schools about how he was reincarnated and like how his son Tammuz came about and how he became the sun god and how he married Ishtar you know like these are really important also figures to understand that this story was created from real people that had this mythology attached to it you know a lot of people want to say that they can't believe this or that about the bible because it seems like not scientifically provable or whatever you know the the terminology is but that's the thing is that what we see in science today is is kind of dumbed down because a they're either knowingly trying to persuade the public that the things of the the past are not really you know historically accurate or provable or b we have like i said digressed throughout history with our lack of being able to live a lot longer and to understand these ancient teachings and these dark arts that you know like I said this as a christian you don't want to practice or participate in that stuff but if you don't know your enemy if you don't know the battle that you're in or you don't know how they use their power from god in the sense of their lives and what they're practicing then you'll be caught up in the deception really easily because if you don't understand that they are continuously throughout history, mankind and these fallen angels or this fallen bloodline is trying to pervert God's word. And so you'll actually hear a lot of people say that Jesus and the story of Jesus is a knockoff from the story of Nimrod and Tammuz and Ishtar and that it's it's a duplication and that's just completely false. Right. Well, yeah, it was it was Semiramis was is the Yes, Semiramis. But yeah, she has it, she has many names. She her I think her name is also Ishtar. She's the moon goddess, pretty much. Right. Well, she's the one that's given credit for actually creating the religion. Oh yeah. Well, it's quite a fascinating story, and you wonder why people look at this and believe this, but then not can't believe that a man named Jesus lived and died on the cross. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, she created, it and then it went from there to the basically the same story is told by the egyptians with osiris horus and oh, i can't remember the the goddess figure there but basically it's the same kind of thing it's kind of weird she finds the phallic symbol of osiris and then she uses it to basically reproduce and create horus yeah and then this like gets into like the tomb of gilgamesh and other different crazy things like this is like i said this this particular series that me and taylor are doing right now is just to continuously build on each episode and what we talk about on a deeper level because like i said it's very easy to tangent off or it's very easy to lose track of where you want to take this because it's rooted in so many different things in so many parts of history and you have to really break down each layer and so that's why today you know we're trying to break down nimrod and who the men of renown and old really like get their clout from and that's nimrod like nimrod is the like head honcho in a way he's the first antichrist he's not the antichrist but he's the first one that would like you know like uh, in the smallest, it says Nimrod was a very significant man in ancient times, the grandson of Ham and the great grandson of Noah. Nimrod stated that his ki- kingdom in Babylon would reach its zenith under King Nebuchadnezzar. And so, yeah, so King Nebuchadnezzar will come later in life. But Nimrod is the one that started this mystery school of mm-hmm. new world. It's almost a new world order. It really was. It really was the first attempt at a new world order and well, yeah, it was the mankind. established kingdom. Right. You know, back in before this time, you know, men kind of just ruled themselves in a way, you know, obviously there was always stronger people than others who would maybe go raid and take stuff, but there were no real established kingdoms. And so when Nimrod came around and started establishing these kingdoms, it kind of was the beginning, kind of like it was saying, the cradle of society, this culture and civilization that we know of today, where we're establishing cities, towns, living spaces, and stuff like that. It was the birthplace of all these things, plus Agricul- the yeah. religion. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. agriculture, plumbing. I mean, you look at some of these ancient civilizations and how they were built. And I think that that's a good topic to, you know, kind of just start wrapping up on is that maybe next time we get more into the world part of these civilizations and what they would do. So like, you know, look at ancient Mesopotamia, ancient Samaria, ancient, you know, all these ancient civilizations with these crazy structural structures and like buildings and really look at them in a deeper level and read about them. And it, like even the seven wonders of the world, like when you look at the seven wonders of the world, almost all of them are, have like some pagan origin or some, some oh, yeah. ancient, you know, dark mystery origin of why they were were built how they were built and that's the reason they're, they're they're called the wonders of the earth is because they almost can't be replicated again it's it's like folklore about how they came to be created but they're they're standing structures that these civilizations are obviously under ruins and have you know have to be found now but through history and the things that we have found throughout time and that that history has taught us through tablets and other things. And even just going to Egypt and reading the hieroglyphics on the wall and looking at the pictures alone. I mean, there's something going on and these people are not stupid. They did not draw humans on the wall that were like standing 15 feet taller than the other right. humans walking around. Like, mentioned that. like mm-hmm. these people were not stupid. That is the they one just thing we randomly need. make a person way bigger than the other person. No, not when they know, not when they knew how to li- align the pyramids to the stars and, and stuff without having any technology. Well, like, and that goes with like ley lines and exa- stuff. Like and that. Ley lines. And I actually get into this with, uh, so I have another, you know, co-host that I'm going to be, you know, introducing as well with other episodes, truth or TV. And we talk about that ley lines. Like this is the part about technology and history that the public does not truly know that the government and these people with a lot of resources to be able to study history and look at things and create these dig sites where not a soul will ever see what you found if you're out in the middle of nowhere and the government is the one funding it. Like if the government has given you a grant as a, you know, explorer or somebody to go find something or look into an area and then they find something, the government is going to have the first say of, all right, this is something we don't necessarily want to, you know, be in the public, aka Area 51. I well, mean, yeah. you know what I mean? So, Nikola Tesla and yeah, the way Nikola he used Tesla. electricity. There's exactly. wireless technology in the 40s. <laughs> and, and you then, start and looking he dies at who takes all of his papers and inventions, the government. Yes. And then you look at even the way structures were built, like so they oh, yeah. just understood energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and vibration at a much higher level. And that's why you see that they're taking these things about vibration, energy, this new like new age teaching about astral projection and being able to like disconnect mind, soul, and body. They're just making it into books is because they want to make money off of what they already understood, which was free and which was by God. And I'm not saying we should go study the dark arts, but I'm just saying they understand spirituality power on a much different level and when you look at these by fallen angels exactly and so when you look at these ancient civilizations which we will do next time you will see that the technology to even build these civilizations is way more advanced than we have today than just melting some steel beams and putting some screws and nails and things right like seriously like the pyramids alone they they've i've watched countless documentaries on them they they are still stumped today how they were Mm -hmm. able to get those largest stones completely uniformed to the point where you could barely slip a razor blade in between the the cracks of these rocks. I mean, that's absolutely insane to think about. And still to this day, they're holding up, you know, through all of the storms, through all of the stuff that they are still structurally some of the strongest things ever built. And yet we can't even build a house to stay up for 20 years without it rotting down and falling. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. you just have to look at the ancient structures and ancient things to see, okay, this is why God put a limit on mankind and why man, oh, God had to step in this Genesis six conspiracy is because he's seen the future that was coming. And while it seems like a utopia with all this great technology, I mean, just think Atlantis. I mean, that story is told to us through countless stories or folklore that it didn't really exist, but I think it did exist and it got flooded during the big flood because the technology, I mean, they, the, what's the movie, the Disney show and they've got mm-hmm. flying hover. They've got flying hover cars. They use energy and crystals to like power the whole entire civilization that well, it, 
and they're then trying goes, to tell you yeah and well francis bacon who's oh yes deep in the mystery schools he wrote deep. about the new atlantis which I think really could be the United States with all the yes. technology we think about now, yes. plus all the technology that they haven't released. You have to always remember the government's a, a very safe estimate is 25 years ahead of us, but more likely about 50 years ahead of us in technology. I, I sometimes think 100, but yeah, yeah. We, we, they well, definitely are years. Technology advancing at an exponential rate. And how much 25 years, just think about the last 25 years, technology. And From the 80s to now, so we, yeah. yeah. Just look at the 80s to now. We, and so, I mean, we're, we got computers in our pockets that have more computing power. I than call them, have. anybody that watches my channel, I call them time machines because that's what they are. Mm -hmm. They're literally time machines. I mean, you can go back into the past. You can study history. You can FaceTime somebody into the future. I could talk to somebody that's in a different part of the country. And essentially, you're talking to them a day ahead or something. Like I said, <laughs> that's getting mm -hmm. into silly things. But it's what it is. I mean. Time travel is essentially not how you think it like in the movies where you need to be actually teleported to the place. But if I can read a historical document that was written in 600 BC or whatever, I'm time traveling. Technically, I'm putting my mind, not necessarily my physical self into that place, but I'm putting my mind and, and creating an image from that time. You see, so these phones right now are, are such a blessing, but also a curse because they can get you wrapped up into the most pointless space in time and not doing anything with your time in that space. Or you can be learning and you can be time traveling, like I call it, and looking up stuff in the past to say, hey, what's going on with our world? What happened 20 years ago? I mean, it's kind of fun to sometimes even just take today's day and say, what happened 50 years ago from today's date? And then Google will bring up a bunch of, you know, documents of things that happened during that time. And you can read about some pretty crazy stories that you might have not heard because time during our natural state, like right now, passes us so fast. And even with this technology that we're involved in, even compared to 10 years ago, stories just shoom, fly by you in a day. You know, like I started this whole thing with Balenciaga. I don't even think people even remember that that brand's a fashion brand anymore. And that, that was some crazy stuff that went down. So time is just continuously pressing on so hard on us in this modern world that we forget to sometimes go back in time and read about what's been happening or occurring to see what's happening today. And well, that's time. what they want. They want us so caught up with these trends yes. and what's going on in the day to day that we don't, they can hide things under the rug. Cause it's like, Oh, on to the next, what happened? Oh, don't worry. Just, Oh, look at this trend. Oh, do this dance. Oh, do this, do that. And it's before you know it, the majority of people have moved on to the next yep. thing. Dust in the wind. Yep. I so, mean, yeah. So Epstein and all these different stories. Epstein just can't stay away, though. That's yeah, I know. Bury him. <laughs> no, they can't bury him. And that's another reason we started. This is because we've been blowing the whistle on a guy like Jeffrey Epstein for a long time. I've been telling people about him since 2016. I was telling people about him well before even Trump ran for president or any of the crazy stuff happened. Like, he was a huge key player in this stuff that you look into, this dark stuff with the rituals and all this stuff that goes back to island. ancient time and the island and the, even the, the building that he established, you know, with the stripes, the, the blue and the white striped building that looked like a dome. Like mm -hmm. that is stuff that you just have to continuously look into that even the structure that he was using on his island has deep historical rooted dark history. So the modern world is really trying to teach us about the ancient world, but they're trying to do it through movies and television and programming to make you think that it's just entertainment and some catchy stories that some artist or director created. Well, yeah, and it's really trying to t tell you, Hey, this is what's going on, but we don't want you to be aware that we're showing you truth through deception. Yeah. It's their karmic law. Exactly. Oh, we, we have to necessarily tell you, what we're going to do or else this bad karma is going to tell come back on us. But if we tell you in movies and stuff, well, that counts. It just shows you how messed up their logic is. It's like, really, you're saying that if you use a Hollywood movie that no one's going to believe that still counts, but in, they just make up things in their mind. And, and then basically they get themselves to believe it. I once heard that Freemasons will use this tactic of, 
say I murdered somebody and I'm getting interrogated by the police. And if they ask me, oh, did you kill this person? Then I can say no. But in my mind, I'm thinking, no, I didn't do it on this day or in this time or in this hour. And so now I'm not lying to you, but I'm also not admitting guilt of something that I know I did. And so it's like a a way to get around this moral obligation that they have. And it's just, it's just nonsense. It's like you said, the, the mind and the heart are continuously thinking wicked thoughts. And that's why mm-hmm. God is continuously trying to warn humans, watch out. You don't even understand what your own heart desires, but I know what it desires and it's evil. So turn from your evil ways and follow me and my commandments. And then you might be able to make it out alive, <laughs> which at the end of the day, we all fell short. And that's why we pray for all of the people that are stuck in these like dark arts or these dark mysteries or these schools or these perverted ways where they think that this is going to get, make them achieve this like demigod or this Godhead, Godhead status of consciousness, whatever it is when the new age movement or makes people believe this stuff or get into it. It's truly a deception. And we have to pray for them to come out of it because at the end of the day, we all did fall short. And even with them and their perverted ways, me and Taylor are sitting here and we're not claiming to be better, any better than because our sins are no, no better, no worse than theirs. So that's what we have to remember is we have to pray for our enemies and fight the devils, fight the ones that are, they're pushing this, not the ones that are stuck under it. When these people get out, they're, testimonies are powerful a lot of these people that have let people into the truth of what's going on in these circles have been people that were in it and then they had an awakening and they realized what they were doing and they confessed and repented and became born again christians and they started talking about this stuff and that's how a lot of this insight has come up And so when these people, of course, we pray for these people and we need these people because they have firsthand knowledge of it. And yes, obviously, once you're in deep, you have that threat of your life being ended because they're not going to let you share these secrets. You take these blood oaths and all this stuff and swear to secrecy. And so you're putting your life on the line. But, you know, at that point, once you've given your life to Jesus, that whatever they want to do to the body, that's fine. But they can't kill your soul. That's right. So that's why the Watchman Inc. is here and was created is because we are at the gate and we're here to see the threat coming and not be scared of it, but to help warn the people so that we can be prepared for the fight that might come to the door, like with this movement and the transgenderism and the attack on our children and even just how many children go missing in America here. It's very disturbing how many kids are abused and how many kids are, like I said, being attacked or targeted by predators, just not in that movement, but just in general, like I said, it is very, very scary. And even humans, like I said, this is a very deep, dark rooted uh, issue that goes back to ancient times, which we want to continue to expose because in the modern time, they're just showing us through movies and through things. That's one thing we want to talk about too, is how in the movies, like in the next episode, how in the movies they're showing this like ancient race of of aliens they say it's the ancient aliens or this force that's come upon earth the movie stargate that movie is a wild movie because it ties into today and this this thing called cern which we'll get more into but they're literally humans if you don't think humans are trying to push the boundaries by a like going to space going to mars trying to explore the universe that's us trying to reach the heavens and trying to be god like don't let anybody fool you that's them trying to say that God, we can't let God tell us that we have limitations, that we can reach the most high with our rockets or whatever. And so Stargate, the movie is about them opening portals and trying to figure out this ancient crazy language that they find if you've seen the movie. And I'm not going to get too much into it, but in that movie, it's really crazy because they end up going back to ancient Egypt with all the pyramids. And at the time, and the main character gets a necklace from a a woman before he goes in through the Stargate, through the portal. And they find these people and he doesn't know the language of the people. So they can't have any way of communicating. But like we've said, symbols have power. He's wearing the one eye, the eye of Ra. And that's the, you know, the Egyptian sun God, Ra, the one eye that that you see in the, in their history and in, in their teachings. 
And so immediately when they see this man, they don't know who he is. They don't know his language. They don't know where he came from. All they seen was that one eye symbol and all of them, every single person in that movie got on their knees and started bowing down to him and worshiping him. And they called him a God because that symbol represents the deities that they were worshiping in that quote unquote space or that time, whatever the Stargate led them to. And so see, they put that in the movie to show us, Hey, ancient civilizations worshiped the symbols and the things, because the things that were wearing the symbols, the fallen angels, the men of renown, they were using those to control the people so that when they came to them or they came across them, all they had to be doing was wear their symbolism and their quote unquote identities of power. And they were worshiped. They were respected. They had no resistance from the people because they couldn't do anything. So this is God trying to free humans from that with the flood. But then you get into deeper, even Egyptian times after ancient Babylon and God trying to free the Israelites from Pharaoh and all the perverse things that they're involved in. I really do believe that this is a, a very huge thing for the body of Christ to really get into right now, to understand the old, to understand the new times, because revelation is coming to pass and prophecy is coming to pass. As we continuously say every episode, if you have your eyes and ears open, just even the slightest bit, you can see the spirit that is being brewed up on earth right now. And and Christians are looking for a savior and we need to be very careful in the body who we look at to be our savior when it comes to choosing men as our leaders or whatever it is, because no man, no system, no entity on earth that isn't Jesus is going to fix what's coming. Only he will truly fix it. Amen. So let's just continue to expose this stuff. Let's continue to share with our family and friends that, hey, there might be something deeper going on earth and even with Jesus and the plan with Christ than we read on the surface when we pick up the Bible. So dig into your Bible a little bit. Test the things that we say. Continuously see that God is not trying to hide anything from humans, and, and we're not trying to hide nothing either. That's why we're talking about this, because... Nobody seems to want to talk about this because they're scared of the backlash or they're scared of something that the earth might, you know, call them or do to them. But God is trying to tell us, don't be attached to the world. Be attached to me. Seek first the kingdom of God, and then all things shall be given unto thee. Remember, the duty of a watchman is Ezekiel 33. Read that chapter to understand we're on watch. We are watching. We're here to see and we're here to hear. And we're only here to provide the hope and the truth of Jesus Christ. So I hope you all have a great rest of your night and thank you again for tuning in and we will see you in the next one. T-Mac, have a great night. Yeah, you too. God bless. Talk God to bless. You later. Thanks for tuning in. To know the duty of a watchman, please read Ezekiel 33. Join the movement today. Follow on Instagram at Watchman Inc. for more details, content, and community interaction. Links in the description. God bless. Oh,